0: My name is Michelle and I will be your moderator for this class.
1: Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin Branch School. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in United States, Canada and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that a creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible, and inscrutable, is the ultimate source, substance, limits and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First, help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth, the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which is once delivered under the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state, our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading this evening will be 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter and that will please be read by Dr. Mildred Felder of the Madison, Wisconsin School. And if we could start with a prayer from Dr. Jake Piantek from the Green Bay, Wisconsin School,
0: thank you.
2: Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, let's all bow our hearts and minds, and thank Yashua for
3: bringing us down here on Zoom on and on YouTube on this Wednesday night. Um, thank Him for the love that we receive from from Him and from our brethren every time we we come to this class, whatever day that may be, and thank Him for getting us through our trials and blessing us with the knowledge we gain every time we're here.
0: Uh, With that, let us say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
4: Good evening. I'll be reading 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. I'll be reading from the King James Version. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abides faith, hope, Love these three, but the greatest of these is love. First Corinthians the 13th chapter.
1: Thank you. Our scripture readers this evening will please be Dr. Callie Gagno of the Madison, Wisconsin School and Dr. Gail Josephson of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School. I would like to welcome everyone to our Zoom class tonight. A special welcome to our visiting brethren and also our returning visitor, Tatiana. We're glad to have you with us. And also those watching us on YouTube tonight, welcome. We will start the evening with a three speaker format. And the first speaker we'd like to call on is Dr. Kobe Brown from the Madison,
0: Wisconsin School.
2: Good evening, everybody.
0: Good evening.
2: It is always a pleasure to stand before Yahweh and his beloved sons and share those little bit of tidbits that time and listening and learning has uh, brought me to an understanding to. These bits and and pieces that I hold on to dearly, because without it, frankly, I'd have nothing. So let's um see what I can do with this. I've 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 heard lectures on this from some of my beloved deans, and uh, let's just start off by uh, reading um there's one thing that jumped out in the scripture lesson that caught my attention
5: start at the beginning
2: uh no i want you to go over to the 11th verse in the scripture reading
5: when i was a child i spake as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child But when I became a man, I put away childish things.
2: Okay. Now, we say when we come to this class, we first came to this class, we were like babies, like kids, like children coming into this class because we didn't know anything. We didn't know anything at all. And as a child, we were given milk, honey, things that we could. Digest. We weren't given the meat because we could choke on it. We had to first build a, a, a get a foundation. We had to get these little small things that turned out to be very large things. For example, the tabernacle. It's It's a very small thing when you think one, two, three. The tabernacle being one but in three parts, something a child can understand. We're talking about the court roundabout, the holy place and the most holy place. That's something you could break down so a child can understand because when I was a child, I not only spoke as a child, I heard and understood as a child. So those adults, if I could put it that way, who was teaching me gave me little tidbits, little nibbits of nourishment. Uh, substance that I could digest or that I could understand. And as I grew in my understanding, then came the meat. So these little things like the tabernacle are really quite big things in your understanding. Now, let's break the tabernacle down a little bit because um, we are children. And we want to take these little tidbits. So the court roundabout just happens to be, or just happen to have three vessels, yet yeah, it's one court roundabout. Just like the tabernacle has three parts, yet it's one tabernacle. Hmm, that's 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 understandable. It's a little tiny thing, but it's understandable. Now in the holy place. It, too, has three vessels, if I could put it that way, but it's one compartment, the holy place. Hmm. One, two, three. One, two, three. Hmm. Okay. I think I can understand that. Being a child is not too deep. It's not too heavy. I could grab hold of that. And then there's the most holy place. It's a three-in-one configuration. It's really one unit, because Yahweh, as it represents, is a unity. But let me put it this way. There's two additional elements, so it being one, two, three, and the most holy place. All these simple little numbers, one, two, three, one tabernacle, one, two, three, one court roundabout, one, two, three, one holy place, one, two, three, one Most holy place. And then somebody said over in in Exodus, talking to Moses, I want you to build this tabernacle out in the wilderness and don't err, because if you do, you'll err in heavenly things. Because everything, according to this tabernacle, is made by this pattern. Hence it being laid down in the wilderness. And it was laid down upon men. It was laid down upon the universe. It was laid down upon everything. And I'm gonna skip back to when I first came into, into class by way of Springfield. Um, I was uh, taking college classes and I was uh, something had happened, and they had to take a they had to temporarily put class in the basement of a of a church. And um, so we was in this basement of the church, and the teacher was late getting there, and everybody was laughing and jumping around and playing, and and I was I remember saying to myself, God, they're just disrespecting this holy place. What is wrong with these kids? Don't they realize they're in a church, God? What is going on? And it continued. And I mean, I was really having issues with that because I felt like I was in this this holy dwelling. Now I'm going to stay with the one, two, three. Don't don't get away from it. Don't get away from the tabernacle. But this is this is what happened. Finally, the teacher came, and um, the the professor came, and he walked in class, and there's a whole bunch of laughing and talking and moving around with chairs. The place was a wreck. And he was pretty upset about it. And frankly, so was I. And I remember thinking at that point, why, why is God letting this happen? I mean, this is this is his church. He couldn't put a stop to this. So jumping forward, class is over with, and walking out of class, and I was still pretty upset. And I was saying, what is wrong with... It's something's look, there's something got to be wrong because there's no way you could disrespect God. And then I had it out with God right then I said, look, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. I don't know what you're about, but now it's your problem. Because if you truly God, then you would have a way to let me know you exist. I'm done, I'm through with it and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. It's your problem. Boy, if I'd have known what I know now, I'd have never said that. I'd have never went off on that. But there was ignorance on my part. One, two, three. Just so happens that class I was at brought up some issues. And we were talking about the water cycle. So I was, the sun was shining bright, and I was looking up at the sky when I was going through all this. And there were clouds, and it made me think about that it made me think about the water cycle. That is, the sun and the wind, evaporation on the water and the lakes and the oceans would cause the water to rise. And then it would go up so high that it would get cold and it would condense and form a cloud. And that cycle continues, it gets colder and it gets more droplets and it gets heavy and it would fall in the form of rain back to the earth. And that is the water cycle and it's the life cycle of this planet. And lo and behold, when I came to class for the first time it was talking about the tabernacle and there's one, two, three and that came back to me and I thought, whoa, okay okay, this this is real. And each day, more class, learn a little bit more, learn a little bit more. And verse 11 took on, this chapter, verse 11 took on a real meaning for me because I was a child and I spoke as a child and I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But as I grew, my understanding grew. And as such, I became responsible for the knowledge that had been given me. Could you read 12?
0: Yes. For now we see through a glass
5: darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And, 13. and now abides faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love.
2: You go with these three again. You can't get away from it. Faith, hope, and love. And we do have a hope of eternal life through the faith, that being Yahshua and Messiah. Through his love, which he proved to us by dying on the cross. To resurrect so that he could share with us his Holy Spirit. Whenever I read the Corinthians in the 13th chapter, that always comes to mind because that was the first connection that Yahweh opened my eyes and said, be careful what you ask for. I've shown you, I've given you that glimpse, I've proven proven to you I exist. Now you follow through. I know this was short. But this always this this particular chapter uh, it means a lot to me. It's it's very special. Um, that that's all I have. That's uh, that's all I have.
0: Thanks,
2: Colby. Thank
1: you. Our next speaker would please be Dr.
0: Sasha Rachmiliyevich of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Good evening, everyone. can you hear me well good evening yes
6: so i uh, I really enjoyed what uh, Kobe uh, had to say so I don't know how much time I will take but there are a couple things uh, were on my mind when the scripture reading was uh, read so i'll
0: i'll uh,
6: try to work a little bit with this uh, chapter. And this is a very uh, important chapter because it's talking about the core attribute of our creator. Could you show the Moses chart, please? Thank you. So in the upper left corner on this chart, you can see, uh, Yahweh depicted as a cloud here. And uh, it says that Yahweh is spirit and there are listed nine uh, primary attributes of Yahweh. Uh, Intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. And uh, we read like in the end of the scripture, reading that at least out of three, faith, hope, and uh, love, the greatest of them uh, is love. So love is the core attribute of our creator. And uh, it's it's good to understand uh, uh, understand uh, you know, what it is and what's the difference between Yahweh's love and the love in the world, because we have many different examples of uh, uh, love in the world, whether it's uh, romantic love, or love between uh, friends, or love of the mother to the child, uh, and uh, are they the same as uh, Yahweh's love, or there is a difference? Uh, that's, I think, what, I, uh, what was on my mind. Uh, so let's go to the scripture reading and read chapter 13, starting from the
0: beginning. 13 and
5: 1. So I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have no love, I am nothing.
6: Right, so Paul is saying that, you know, he may have all different kinds of gifts he may uh, speak, You know, with the tongues, he may uh, uh, have a gift of prophecy. He can understand all mysteries of uh, the Bible. Uh, uh, He can have, you know, very strong faith. But without love, it's nothing. How it's possible? How it's possible to have a a gift of prophecy? How it's possible to have uh, all faith that he uh, can remove mountain and not have love. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm talking uh, from the spiritual standpoint now because again, if you look at this uh, upper left corner, you have different attributes. Love is one of them. Knowledge, it's another attribute, wisdom, is another attribute here. We can add faith uh, uh, as well here. So it looks like, you know, it's, uh, you know, they're all different attributes. Can you have, the question would be, uh, so does Paul mean that you can have a, a Holy Spirit with attribute of knowledge and wisdom without attribute of love? that's not what paul uh, that's not what uh, paul uh, is talking about paul is using uh, 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 his uh, uh, using a, a figure of speech uh, called uh, uh, hyperbole so it's uh he said if uh, in a way if I had all these you know different qualities but not having love, it means I want, you know, I have nothing. Because if the person has the Holy Spirit, it has all different, all attributes which you uh, can see on this chart. Wisdom, knowledge, intelligence, love, justice, beauty, foundation, power, and strength. It can be in uh, different proportions. You have one, person can have one gift a little bit more than another gift or one attribute a little bit more than another attribute but if you have the Holy Spirit you have the Holy Spirit so you have all you know it cannot be devoid of a, of a certain attribute so it's just important to understand what uh, Paul is talking about he's not talking about you know, having the Holy Spirit, you know, without attribute of love. He is using a uh, hyperbolic uh, language. Continue on. <clears throat> Verse three.
0: Yes.
5: And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing.
7: Love. Now,
6: he, uh, sorry. Now he is from... Uh, talking about different gifts or attributes. Now he's moving to the actions. He's talking about the actions. And he's saying, if I uh, bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be uh, burned, so if I, you know, sacrifice my uh, myself for, for something and have no love, it uh, it will be for nothing. It profits me. Nothing. And again, it's important because in the world there are many good people who uh, uh, give a lot of uh, goods uh, for the poor and there are people who believe in things and uh, like they have different uh, religious beliefs, not necessarily Christian belief like a Muslim Uh, Beliefs and they can sacrifice themselves, like uh, using a suicide bomb, you know, for Allah. But uh, without true love, let me put it this way: without true love, it will be for nothing. So, what do I what do I mean by true love? I mean this is a love which is described in the thirteenth chapter of first Corinthians, and this is Yahweh's love. And this Yahweh's love, or the attribute of the Holy Spirit is different from the love of the world. And let's put it to test, because I know, I heard about people and I know many loving people in the world, like uh, uh, in the, in Buddhism and uh, in Hindu uh, religion, they're very, uh, loving uh, people but is they love is the same love as described here so let's uh, read about you know kind of breakdown of, uh, of this love verse 4
5: <clears throat> love suffers long and is kind love envies not love vaunts not itself It is
6: not puffed up. So it's, I'm sorry, I will be kind of interrupting you a little bit. So it's love is long suffering. That's the quality of Yahweh's love. And it's kind, it doesn't have any uh, envy. And uh, it has no uh, pride, it doesn't parade itself continue on in verse five
0: does
5: not behave itself unseemly seeks not her own is not easily provoked thinks no evil rejoices not in iniquity but rejoices in the truth bears all things believes all things hopes all things Endures
6: all things. So one one of the qualities of Yahweh's love that it rejoices in the truth. It's verse six. It loves the truth. So you know you go to the person who you find to be loving, and I'm not saying they're not loving people. They do have love but their love is a natural love is uh, the love which is common for the people in the world but Yahweh's love is above it's a spiritual love and if you go to this uh, uh, man or woman who have a passionate love for their spouse or, or girl or boyfriend, or if you go to the mother who instinctively has a very strong love for uh, her child and ask her, do you know about the creator? Do you know that creator has a name? Do you know that his name is Yahweh? Now we know that it's truth, and if you give the witnesses, Show on uh, in the book, show uh, in the Google, you know, in the books that uh, his, uh, uh, the creator's name is Yahweh, that we are breathing his name. This is a simple but very profound witness that we breathe his name. (sighs) You know, and uh, you know, these people in my experience would say, who cares? you know, I, I am either not religious or I worship Allah or different deity or the Lord or Jehovah is, uh, uh, is good for me. Now Jehovah Witnesses, uh, uh, among them, they're very loving people, but it's not the divine love which is described here. That's, you know, my point. Now, the people are not born with the love of Yahweh, or with a spiritual love. But Yahweh has to manifest himself or to reflect himself uh, in the world, so he can be known from what He created. Let's read Romans 1,19 and
7: 20. Romans 119, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Thank you. So his
6: invisible things and love is an invisible attribute of Yahweh, but he manifested it in the people. So what people have is, you know, I mean, people who don't have the true uh, faith in the creator and uh, don't have the Holy Spirit. These people uh, have a reflection of uh, the love you know, in a different uh, scenario, scenarios. Like we can understand the uh, unconditional love of Yahweh to his offsprings by seeing, you know, within us, if we are parents, our instinctive love for our offspring. Uh, You know, because when we have this little children and these children are in danger, we will endanger ourselves to help these children, trying to uh, save them or take them out of danger. Why it's happening with us? Because Yahweh reflected his attribute of love in us. But even the strongest love, which people have in the world, like I'm talking in this case, let's say, very passionate, romantic uh, love. It's different from uh, love of Yahweh. Let's remember this uh, famous uh, story, one of the be- best illustration of romantic love, which is the love of Romeo uh, to Juliet in Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet. It's uh, It's very beautiful, very, uh, passionate uh, love and uh, and uh, Shakespeare is manifesting different things. Uh, one of them is that the love is stronger than death. He is manifesting this in, in this play uh, because the families of these two children are fighting with each other and the tragedy which happens uh, with Romeo and Juliet, I hope that uh, all people or most of them read the story or watch the movie know what it's about so this tragedy unite these people and uh, make peace between them showing that love is stronger than death and that's uh, why why it's relevant to what we're talking about because it's manifesting uh Yahweh's uh sacrifice for us because he came to this earth plane, took on the physical body as Yahshua, the Messiah. Why? Because of his love for us. He uh, gave his love so we can, uh, so that he that we can, will be able to understand and appreciate uh, his love.
0: So the love was stronger than death. Uh, Let's uh, read as a as a witness to this. Let's read First John uh, three sixteen. First John three sixteen.
5: Hereby perceive we the love of Yahweh because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren.
6: Right, so that's how we know uh, his love. And I think that's what the first speaker was talking about as well. But also in the story of Romeo and Juliet, if you may remember in the end, Romeo finds Juliet Dead. He thinks that uh, she is dead and he is uh, killing himself because his love is so strong and his grief is so strong that he cannot live uh, without Juliet thinking that she is dead. So uh, another thing, the message is I will kill, I mean, for Romeo, I will kill myself because I cannot live without you. So it's kind of self-centered message. With Yahweh, it's just the opposite, because Yahshua is saying, pretty much with what he's done, I have to kill myself or sacrifice myself, because you cannot live without me. So his love is not self-centered; it's directed. Toward you and me, toward other people. And that's what we read in the scripture reading. It says that the love doesn't seek uh, its uh, its own. And uh, we, we don't have this uh, divine love until Yahshua gives us his spirit. Let's uh, uh, Read about it. Let's verify it
0: in uh, Romans uh, 5 and 5. Romans 5, verse 5.
7: And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of Yahweh is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Thank you. So,
6: the love is the part of the Holy Spirit, and that's how people receive Yahweh's love is through the hearing the preaching of the gospel, and believing in Yahshua the Messiah. And as a gift, He is giving His Holy Spirit. You know, including as you know, this main attribute, love, with it. You know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of cutting it short. Uh, Show me uh, please the uh, chart of this tabernacle. The first speaker was talking about uh, how everything is going according to this tabernacle pattern. So love is going uh, according to the tabernacle pattern as well in in several ways. So, you know, the tabernacle is threefold now, there is one word pretty much for love in uh, English language, but it can mean uh, several different things. Now, in Greek language, there are several words. I think they uh, count about eight different words for uh, different uh, uh, types or even you know shadows of love, but there are three main Uh, Greek words for love one is agape another is philia and another one is eros so agape would be likened to unconditional love when we read in first corinthians 13th chapter about love we read agape so Yahweh's love is agape it's unconditional uh, love. It's the higher, highest uh, type of love. Now, in the holy place, uh, the word for love is "philia. It means it's like uh, affectionate love. It's like liking uh, liking somebody. We have the city called Philadelphia in uh, the United States stays with means love of the brethren or liking the brethren or have affection for the brethren. So it's kind of intermediate state of love. And uh, another kind of love which is, uh, will be in a court roundabout, it's like more uh, kind of uh, physically oriented love. It's eros, it's romantic or passionate. Or sexual love. So when we read the Bible, especially uh, uh, in Greek and in Hebrew, it's important to understand what kind of love well, you know people are talking about. Uh, let me uh, give you a couple examples. One. Uh, let's go to uh, John twenty-first chapter. In John 21st chapter we read about Yahshua the Messiah after his resurrection. And uh, he is talking to his disciples. In this case,
0: he is talking to Peter in uh, starting with verse 15. John
7: 21, 15. So when they had dined, Yahshua saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, love thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, master, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. 16. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Master, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, love thou me. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Master, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Yahshua said unto him, Feed my sheep. Right. So there are several things uh, uh, in
6: there. One of them I should uh, mention on the side, or rather, ask a question: uh, Why Yashu is telling this thing, uh, asking P- uh, Peter if he uh, loves him three times? Why does he do it three times? Because what Yashu is doing, he is kind of a reversing, you know, uh, uh, in a you uh, know for Peter he's reversing the betrayal or de- the denial of Peter which happened just before uh, that before Yashua was crucified as you remember Peter crucified uh, not crucified uh, denied, Peter, uh, denied yeah he denied uh, Yashua three times so it's uh, like it's the sign of the forgiveness of Yahshua that he's telling Peter three times, you know, to, uh, to feed uh, his sheep or to preach the gospel. But what uh, I want to point your attention uh, to is when uh, Yahshua is uh, saying to Peter or asking Peter, uh, Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? If you look up love, when Yahshua is speaking, He's talking agape. So, do you have this uh, unconditional love? Do you have this love of Yahweh in you to love me? And and Peter is saying, "Yeah, you know that uh, I love you." But the way he is using love in Greek here, it's a different word. It's philia. And he cannot say agape because Peter doesn't have. The love of Yahweh in him, because it was before the day of Pentecost, Peter didn't receive the Holy Spirit yet when he is talking to Yahshua, but he has this affection and uh, for Yahshua, and he loves him as as a human being. Another example, which is actually uh, imported from uh, to. Um, understand uh, you know, another aspect uh, of the purpose of Yahweh uh, sometimes, uh, because it says that love suffers long, we read it uh, uh, in the first Corinthians 13th chapter, and people go through different sufferings, and people going through the different trials, and people pray to the Creator, and uh, sometimes the creator doesn't respond right away and uh, allow people go through the sufferings. And the question arises, and I know that uh, some Christians I talk to, and you can see it in the a, in a different movies, would say, where is love? You know, God's supposed to be loving, and he allows me to go through this uh, tragedy. I am going through. How is it possible? And some people lose faith uh, in God. I mean, I'm talking about uh, this kind of faith uh, they have uh, in the religion, which is not, you know, the true faith. Because if you have the true faith, as the attribute of Yahweh, of Yahweh, it's a gift. And in Romans eleventh chapter, it says that the gifts of Yahweh are irrevocable. You cannot lose them. So let me show you, let me illustrate it. I think it may be uh, like the last uh, uh, scripture I will go into, but it's a long one. It's uh, John 11th chapter. So this is a story about Yahshua raising Lazarus
0: from the dead. 11 and 1. Thank you. Yes. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus,
5: of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed Yahshua with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters went unto him, saying, Master, Behold, he whom you love is sick. When Yahshua heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of Yahweh, that the son of Yahweh might be glorified thereby.
0: Now,
6: Yahshua... I will be interrupting you. So this is a strange saying that this sickness, and Yahshua knows that Lazarus is going to uh, physically die, but he's saying it's not unto death but it's for the glory of Yahweh. So sometimes, you know, the trials, which we are having, they are for the glory of Yahweh. He allows us to go through uh, different things. Continue on.
5: <clears throat> now, Yahshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that... He- He was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that said he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone you and go you there again? Yahshua answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not because he sees the light of this world. And if a man walk in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. This, These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Master, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Yahshua spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Yahshua unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him.
6: Yeah, so you see that Yahshua's intent, and we see how it uh, uh, plays out later, but his intent for his disciples and other people, including Martha and Mary, for them to believe. So he allows, he could have prevented Lazarus from being dead right into beginning, in the beginning, like he was healing uh, sick people uh, uh, on a distance uh, during his ministry, but he didn't do that because he had a a mission. He had
0: more, something more important uh, in uh, in his mind. Continue on. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto
5: his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Joshua came, he found that he had lain in the grave. Sorry, he had lain in the grave for days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off.
6: many- um, Thank you. Sorry, let me interrupt you because uh, I may forget. I know that my mind is forgetful. So why he allowed Lazarus to be dead for four days? Could you show me the ages and uh, dispensations chart, please? So what happened? So to, to understand it, we have to understand what Yahshua is trying to show. Now, in the very beginning of the purpose with a man, Adam. So Adam ate of the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he died on the same day as Yahweh said, meaning he died in his conscience. So in his conscience, Adam was spiritually dead or condemned or alienated from his uh, creator, from Elohim. So he became carnally minded. And according to the scripture, which is Romans 8 and 6, to be carnally minded is death. And we read in the book, we just don't have time to go there but I'll tell you the verses. In Romans five, start reading with verse, if we read from verse 14, it says that the death reigned from Adam to Moses. And actually it's reigned from Adam until Yahshua the Messiah. So from Adam to Yahshua the Messiah, the humankind was spiritually dead. And from Adam to Yahshua the Messiah, it was 4,000 years. Now in 1st Peter, sorry, in 2nd Peter 3 and 8, it says that for Yahweh, one day is like 1,000 years and 1,000 years is one day. So 4,000 years of humankind, being dead is likened to four days. And that's what Yahshua will show how he is going to resurrect the humankind from the spiritual death by resurrecting Lazarus who was dead
0: for four days. Now continue on, please. Okay.
5: Okay, um. Now Bethany was nine to Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Yahshua was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Yahshua, Master, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever you will ask of Yahweh. Yahweh will give it you. Yahshua said unto her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the
6: resurrection at the last day. So, sorry for interrupting. Martha kind of believes that uh, somewhere in the future like, uh, you know, dead people is going to resurrect and uh, Lazarus is going to resurrect uh, with them, but she doesn't believe that Yahshua has
0: power of resurrecting that uh, people, those who died. Continue on.
5: <clears throat> Yahshua, Yahshua said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. Leave you this. She said unto him, "Yes, Master, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of Yahweh, which should come into the world." And when she had said,
6: "Right," so, that, so but she, so, sorry, but she didn't. hear. he asked, uh, "So do you believe in this?" So she she still doesn't. Necessarily believes that Yahshua is going to raise Lazarus from, uh, from the dead, right now. She's, you know, it's, it's it's you know this faith is not, in her right now. Continue. on. And when she
5: had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, "The master has come, and calls for you." As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Yahshua was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goes into the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Yahshua was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him master if you had been here my brother had not died when Yahshua therefore saw her weeping and the jews also weeping which came with her he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said where have you laid him they say unto him master come and see Yashua
6: wept sorry for interruption again so why uh, Joshua- was uh, weeping so he wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead but he was weeping because he saw that the people really didn't understand who he was and you know and uh, that he had the power of life over death that he was the resurrection and the life as he just
0: um, explained uh, to Martha continue on please oh, okay
5: sorry all right where have you laid him he wept okay 36 then said the jews behold how he loved him and some of them said could not this man which opens the eyes of the blind have caused that even this
6: man should not have died sorry yeah. for interruption sorry for interrupting you have a long suffering, that's that's a good or patience. It's a, it's a good quality, you need it with me, thank you. So you see the people, the people thought that, uh, you know, the Jews saying behold how he loved him, but the, at the same time, they don't believe that Yahshua loved uh, Lazarus because they say, well, if he loved him, he could have done it uh, before. Why he couldn't have done it before if he loved it? So they doubt his love, like uh, people in the world, including us, sometimes may doubt uh, uh, love of our creator when some bad, terrible things happening in life with us or somebody uh, close to us. Five more minutes. Oh, thank you.
5: Okay, uh, Yahshua therefore again groaned in himself, com- comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Yahshua said, take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, master, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. Yahshua said unto her, said I not unto you, that if you would believe, you should see the glory of Yahweh.
6: Then they took so from this, uh, what Martha uh, told him, look, he was uh, dead for four years. It it shows that before, even though Yahshua told her, look, I'm the resurrection and the life. She didn't believe that uh, he could resurrect Lazarus. Uh, she, she really didn't believe that he was resurrection. And, you know, you cannot blame him. This is what, you know, it's... I wouldn't believe it uh, either. This is a huge thing to resurrect somebody who is for days uh, dead. Continue on.
5: Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Yahshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you heard me always. Hear me always. Sorry. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he thus had spoke, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Yahshua said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews... Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Yahshua did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Yahshua had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what
6: what do we? For this man does many miracles.
0: Uh,
6: So, no, that's okay. So in verse uh, 22, is saying that, that he is doing uh, this thing and he is praying so that the people would believe that uh, Yahweh sent him. And he resurrected Lazarus. So the people would believe that he is the resurrection and the life. And the people believed him. Now, look at that. If we go to this beginning of this chapter, uh, chapter 11, And uh, we read in verse five, now Yahshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You may think if he loved them, he would spare them from all this grief during four four days. No, what if you look up loved in this uh, verse, you will see it's agape. It's Yahweh's love. Now, when we read in verse uh, uh, 36, when it says, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Now love in this case, it's failure, it's not agape. Jews said, oh, well, he really loves them from the physical standpoint, like had affection uh, or liking to uh, Lazarus. So Yahshua had agape love, divine love. And because of this, because of this long suffering love, he allowed Martha and Mary to endure for four days this grief for the greater purpose. So they will have a witness of resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. So they would believe that he is the resurrection and the life. So when the time comes on the day of Pentecost, they would be able to receive the Holy Spirit and have everlasting life and die no more. So my time is up. I hope it it was uh, helpful. And uh, praise and glory be to Yahshua. Thank you. Our final
1: speaker this evening will please be Dr. Dennis Volpe, Dean of the Oceanside California Branch School. I
3: want to say good evening to everyone. I, th- I hope everybody can, can you hear me okay, by the way?
2: Gotcha.
3: Great, okay. Uh, I really was, uh take it into some thought by things that were being expressed tonight by both speakers, and I want to just continue on with what has already been laid down. And that was our scripture reading tonight. Now, this divine attribute of love cannot be overemphasized. It is the core of the purpose. Let's go over to the Moses chart for just a minute, please. Now, what we see in the cloud up there are those attributes drawn in there for you to understand that spirit is, in fact, these attributes themselves. And what this painting is trying to show, or illustration, is how that in the cloud they they are randomly placed in there without a descriptive shape and form. Now, once we see that Elohim to the right there takes on that shape and form, or is in shape and form, we look at it at the top of the pattern uh, of the chart, excuse me, and we see that Elohim is the archetype, original pattern of the universe. Now, what Elohim is is the divine attributes in demonstration. Now, Yahweh in that state cannot be comprehended. He cannot be scrutinized or studied. He cannot be understood. Therefore, it is his wisdom that he would organize his own attributes or spirit into a demonstration that can be seen, that can be understood, and can be appreciated. Now, the first thing that we want to do, I want to go back now for a minute to the elementary chart, please. Now, at the elementary chart at the top, we see that there's a chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. Now, what that is is a declaration of the purpose of what Yahweh is going to accomplish is salvation. Now, salvation itself, believe it or not, has a deeper purpose than just him coming in and performing the act of saving you. Salvation has to demonstrate those invisible attributes. Now, in this case, what we understand is this, that Yahweh masterminded his purpose, elected to carry it out. In the first circle up there next to the pattern or the plan or the purpose, we have a demonstration of the uh, of the Elohistic form, or actually Yahshua back there in eternity. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, when we read, in fact, let we got enough time. Let's go get that over there. Pick up in Revelation where it talks about Yahshua being the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And also get me, my other reader, get me uh, John 3.16. Revelation 13 and 8. Okay.
7: Revelation 13:8. Um, yep, and 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world.
3: Now, that lamb is the very same lamb as the one that John identified Uh, there uh, after the baptism, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, or the Lamb of Yahweh, that taketh away the sins of the world. Now this Lamb was slain right from the beginning. Read for me, if you would, John 3.16.
5: For Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
3: Now, when he said he gave his only begotten Son, first of all, there's two things I want to draw your attention to. When Yahshua was slain at the foundation of the world, there was no sin at that point in the purpose because there were no creatures, there were no angels. There was no mankind, there was no earth plane. Now, what Yahweh is demonstrating here is this, that his purpose of salvation is going to demonstrate his great love. Now, in John 3.16, we read that Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, that was not something that Yahweh came upon or all of a sudden propped up when the Messiah was born into the world through the loins of the Virgin Mary. That love starts right back there in the purpose itself. Now, Yahweh, when he elected to have this purpose, to bring forth a purpose, what he wanted was offspring. He wanted to have children. I'll put it that way. I'll make it simple. He wanted to have children that he could give his divine love, manifest his divine love and kindness towards. That we would be the object of his divine love and kindness. Now, what we have to understand is this, that Yahweh set it up from the beginning. He did something that was an act of love, that when he took on shape and form, that in itself was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, there's a couple of ways that you can work that. Number one, that Yahweh had purpose for Yahshua to be offered up when he came in the flesh on that cross. Now, Dr. Kinley said it like this. He said that when Yahweh took on shape and form as that Elohistic form, he said that was a crucifixion because he came from a state That we call pure spirit, that Doc described it, Dr. Kelly described it as a state of ontological perfection. And he had to step down from that state. That means that he had to take a lesser state. Yahweh divested himself of his great glory that he is in that state of pure spirit to take on a lesser state. Now, that was him sacrificing himself. That he might bring forth the purpose of manifesting his great love towards us, right from the beginning. That he would have to step down out of that state and take a less glorified aspect. In some case, he in, in the purpose. Uh, let me let me show it to you like this. On the tabernacle, just move the chart up. And let's take a look at that tabernacle there. Now, in the tabernacle, what we got is we've got everything starts in pure spirit, which is likened unto the most holy place. Now, when the purpose comes down, Yahweh is coming out of that state of the cloud, which is in the most holy place, coming down into the holy place, then eventually into the court roundabout. Every time Yahweh steps down, he is divesting himself of glory. So he takes off the glory of the most of, of, of pure spirit to manifest himself in a form that we call incorporeal or actually superincorporeal, which although is glorious, is pales in comparison to the glory of the Father. Now then, further. He steps down through another veil into the court roundabout and takes off that incorporeal and superincorporeal and manifests manifests in the world as a natural man. Now this was necessary because Yahweh is showing how he's willing to sacrifice in order to demonstrate to you his great love that was the motivation for the purpose right from the beginning. Now what Yahweh's purpose was, as I told you, was to bring forth offspring. Now this is something that Dr. Kinley said, I'm not just making this up, that Yahweh desired to have offspring, children, and make himself known to his creatures. Now what Yahweh did is he designed that he would shed his love towards his creatures and manifest himself in a in a capacity that we're able to grasp. And this is the way he put this. He said when Yahweh took off that pure spirit state or came out of that, divested himself of his glory, and took on that incorporeal state, he said that was a sacrifice that you cannot understand. You can't appreciate what he did there. So he had to come down further into the flesh and die on the cross, the death of an outcast dog, be treated in a vile way, as we all know what they did to him, to show you his great love and demonstrate to you that you can comprehend that he died for you so that you might have all of the riches of his glory shed upon you. Now you have to see it in manifestation to appreciate what you can't see. Now, I want to make a couple other points about this love before we develop this even further. Now, going back to those divine attributes that we talked about on that Moses chart, what I want you to not recognize is, and and, and Sasha talked about the uh, the different forms of love, the agape love and the other forms. What I want you to know is that the, the attribute of love is beyond human comprehension. It is, ladies and gentlemen, not an emotion. We as humans associate love from an emotional standpoint. What we feel for our children. What we feel for somebody that we really like. Or, you follow, the love as it was expressed between a husband and wife, a man and a woman, and so on. So what I want you to realize, we identify love... As a human being, by the feeling that we have towards an individual, towards uh, anything that we say we love, our dog, for an example, we love our dogs. Now Yahweh is not driven by emotion. He is driven to demonstrate his nature. Yahweh is not operating on he feels like today. I'll 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 do this for you to uh, because I feel like doing it because I feel loving today. Yahweh is demonstrating what he is and how he actually exists. Now, we worked with this last night. It was gotten into last night in the Green Bay class, and I'm going to go back to something we worked with there. I want to go over to... Uh, it's either in it's both in the uh, chapter of Luke I think it was the sixth chapter that I work with uh, one night at one of our I had read one night in our class it's also over in Matthew where he talks about how Yahweh's love is shed uh, uh, like the rain both on the just and the unjust can somebody find that please for me If anybody remembers, it was read last night in Green Bay. What scripture that was quoted there, um, it'll be in there as well. But I'll look as...
2: Uh, so the the rain comes down on?
3: Yes, yes. That's what so I want. That's
2: Isaiah 55. No,
3: I want it in the... Uh, Matthew, uh,
2: Matthew,
6: Matthew 5. 45.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. I want it there first. I want to pick up where Joshua tells them... Uh, about loving their enemy. Well, you know, that, that kind of stuff. If somebody's got that, that's what I want you to start reading about.
7: Matthew 5 and 38. Thank you. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but, you say, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever mm-hmm. shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other cheek, or mm-hmm. turn him the other also. And if any man will
3: now, soothe Now, what I want to say to you, well, go ahead, finish that point, because it's going to be the same thing I want to point anyway with both examples. Go ahead.
7: And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also.
3: Now, what he's talking about here is not you doing something on how you feel emotionally. Because if somebody slaps you in the face, you're not going to say, you know what? That wasn't bad. I'd like to get another one on the other side, mm-hmm. or somebody sues you and takes away your your jacket, and you say, "Well, I'm going to give him my shirt too." What the heck? You know, this guy's all right. That's not. It's not driven by emotion. These things that Yash was talking about have a wisdom and purpose behind it. That Yahweh is showing His kindness and His mercy by demonstrating this type of love. It is a demonstration of his attributes so that you can comprehend and understand something about spirit, which love is. Keep reading.
7: 41. And also shall compel thee to go a mile. Go with him twain. Give to him that ask thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Mm-hmm. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Mm-hmm. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you.
3: Now listen, what Gail just read there, is not based on an emotion. You don't say, when somebody uh, uh, persecutes you, you don't say, you know, I, I really like that person. I feel good, so I'm going to do this to show them I really like them. Listen, when, you know, your enemies are people that usually do things to you that you don't like, that does not evoke an emotion of joy, They are things that hurt you. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the human nature is to respond accordingly. You do this to me and I'm going to do this back to you. And this is how we are as human beings. But the divine nature transcends an emotional response and reflects its great kindness, and willingness to suffer. One of the attributes of divine love is long-suffering and forbearance and patience. We don't think of those things as love, but they are the result of the divine nature, the divine attribute of love. The offspring of that love is forbearance, forgiveness, long-suffering, patience, And those are things that typically we don't do as human beings. Now, what Yash was trying to tell them is this. Now I'm not telling you that you're going to go out now. This is before Pentecost. And all of a sudden you're going to act like this and do this because they're incapable with the heart that they have to enact these things that he's saying. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. I want you to see... There's a a world of difference between the divine attribute of love and the human emotion of love. The divine love has this center to it. And this is important for you to comprehend. Now listen, in the book of Deuteronomy, the people back there at Mount Sinai were commanded to love Yahweh with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might, and to love their neighbor as their as their selves. You know that. That's in the law. Now, when they came to Yahshua and tried to trick them, the Pharisees, and they said, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Yahshua said, this is the greatest of all the commandments, that you love Yahweh with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And the second is like unto it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when he said that, he said, now, on these, all of the law and the prophets hinge. Now, I want you to know that if you had that love in you, if the Jews had that love in them there at Mount Sinai, there would have been no need for the Ten Commandments. Why? Because they didn't have that in them, then the commandments were for those that did not have the law of love guiding their hearts towards their creator and towards their fellow man. So therefore, he said, you shall not take my name in vain. You shall not build an image and bow down and worship it. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. These things were said because of a lack of love. And that was the problem. The heart of the people back there, go over to the Moses chart, please. This divine attribute was not in the heart of those people that gathered around Mount Sinai. And when Yahweh gave them the commandment, the very first thing he told them was not to build any graven images. Well, when Moses went up there in the mountain, it was up there for 40 days, and they thought, well, what happened to this guy? He's a goner. Let us build a god and worship it. They had the golden calf made and bowed down and worshiped it. Now, do you think it entered into their heart? Wait a minute. We love Yahweh. He asked us not to do this. We can't do this. How is that love? No, that never crossed their mind. Because the love was not in those people. That divine attribute was not in them. Why? Because love is a, is an attribute that is also in unison with all the other attributes. Meaning, at the head of the, uh, uh, of the triad of the most holy place is intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom without intelligence, without knowledge and wisdom, without understanding, you can't love Yahweh. And without love, then there really will be no true divine wisdom manifested either. So there is a necessity that every attribute works together in a systematic way, and they work to the good of the purpose to cause you to know and understand Yahweh. Therefore, the people back there could not keep that law. Now, in Deuteronomy, it says over there, oh, that there was such a heart in these people that they would love me and keep my commandments. Well, they didn't have a heart of love. Therefore, when Yahweh shed his love upon them, delivered them out of the land of Egypt, even though they were belly bellyaching and complaining the entire way and doubting Yahweh, He forgave them, and he brought them up there in the wilderness and sanctified them, set them apart, and offered... Listen, the creator of the universe says, I'm going to be your God and not the God of anybody else on the planet, and I am taking you as my wife, and that didn't have an impact in your heart? Well, they didn't have the heart to receive the love of Yahweh. Therefore, because they didn't have that heart... They could not operate on the divine attribute of love. They didn't have knowledge. They didn't have understanding. None of that was given to them then. Therefore, they sinned constantly. Therefore, they cheated on Yahweh for 1,500 years, worshiping one deity after the next, which he told them he was a jealous Elohim, and he hated it. They killed the prophets when Yahweh sent them to educate them and give them knowledge. And he even said over there, and and Amos, I believe, it was Amos or Hosea, one of them, he said that uh, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Well, because they didn't have knowledge, they had no love. Now, what I want you to see is this, that this was all according to his purpose back then. Because for Yahweh to forgive those people and allow them to have an atonement made for them in the tabernacle and also to send in Yahshua the Messiah to make the ultimate atonement is demonstrating his mercy, his great love for which he loved us when we were yet in sin. Or some of us say when we were yet unlovable, meaning we had no redeeming, qualities from a spiritual standpoint that would make us to be any different than anybody else in the world. We were brutish. We were as natural brute beasts of the field. Look, I want to go over to a scripture here for a minute. I want you to go to Titus, the third chapter, and I want you to start at verse 3.
7: Titus 3.3, 3. for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Mm-hmm. But after that, the kindness and love of Yahshua, our Savior, toward man appeared, mm-hmm. not by works of righteousness, which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Yahshua, the Messiah, our Mm -hmm. Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life.
3: There it is. His great love that he shed upon us that we might be heirs of an inheritance. None of us deserved this inheritance. We did not earn it. We didn't do good works that Yahweh was pleased with. You didn't do anything when you were yet carnal that was pleasing to Yahweh. And Paul writes in Romans the 8th chapter that the carnal mind cannot serve Yahweh for it is enmity against Yahweh and cannot please him. Now, we didn't do a darn thing, ladies and gentlemen, because we were that explanation that started that we read in the third verse. That's what we were when we walked in the door. And it was by the kindness and love of Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior, who that was Yahweh, his attribute, that spirit of love in the Messiah manifested towards us. And not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Yahshua Messiah, that we would be justified or cleared of all guilt by his grace, not by works. Now, I want you to know this kind of love transcends human thinking. That divine nature, we could not do anything back there from Moses on the way all the way down to to earn righteousness. You couldn't keep the law because you didn't have the love of Yahweh in your heart. You didn't love him with your whole heart, spirit, soul, and might. See, none of us did. The only one that loved the Father to that capacity was Yahshua. And I want to say it like this: Joshua loved Yahweh with all his soul and with all his might. And that's why it was such a sacrifice for Yahweh to give up his son to be crucified, to die that death, to divest himself of his glory, so that we might be saved who were nothing but a bunch of low-down sinners with no, no good intentions in our heart at all. I don't care how much you look at yourself and think you are not a bad person. I wasn't that bad. Well, according to the book, you were wicked. It says that the heart of man is wicked above all things. That's in your scriptures. Now, that love of Yahweh is driven for the intent to make himself known to his creatures, and by knowing him, That's how we're going to love him. The love is going to happen by this process, that he is going to preach the gospel to us, or in other words, speak to us the understanding of his divine purpose and plan, and that's the water being sprinkled upon us that we read about in Ezekiel that I will clean you, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, is the preaching of the gospel. He said, And I will clean you from all your filthiness and all your idols. He's going to clean us up on the inside by that preaching of the gospel by giving us a new heart and a new spirit. And this new heart, ladies and gentlemen, has the capacity to love Him, where the old heart did not. Get me the heart chart, please. That's not, yeah. Keep going. Thank you. Yeah, there it is, right there. <laughs> that's a uh, that's that's the chart. And I know it's kind of blurry, so you got to kind of look at it close. But what you see is on the one side it says "Old Night," and the other side it says "New Day." And you can see things written in each side of the chart. One, the, what this is showing, it says the word testaments up there. The old heart is Old Testament or Old Covenant. The new heart is a new day or new covenant. And what we see that they had under the Old Testament, what was in their heart was malice. I can hardly read that. I don't know if, anybody, uh, uh, if somebody can read some of those things that are on there.
2: were envies and strifes. Malice, lusts.
3: That's us. That's us, and that was them under the Old Covenant. Now, when the Messiah comes in and dies on that cross, and the gospel is being preached, it's breaking away that that stony heart. Now, what that means is he's getting rid of that greed. He's getting rid of that malice, that envy, and all the things that we just read. That spirit is cleaning us up from those attributes that we all manifested within our own self in some capacity. And that's what this teaching is doing. It's forcing you to accept correction because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And what happens is, as we are humbled by this teaching and we are instructed by the Holy Spirit and the revelation of the things that are being spoken make us take as it were, a humble posture towards these principles where we know that they're right and we have a desire in us now to want to be different than what we were when we walked in the door and what we find out that we want to do now. And this is because we are now coming to know that Yahweh is real. We are coming to understand the essence of his divine nature. We are seeing what pleases Yahweh, and our heart is driven and and moved to by love of Yahweh, by understanding why Yahweh is worthy of love. It is driving us to want to be better than what we were, and to have a heart that is true, that is pure, that is chaste, that is And these things that you're reading on the other side that I can't read either. All these things are what is coming to bear in us under the new covenant. As he takes away the old, the new is emerging right within us. Why is he doing this? Because he wants us to love him. But I want you to get that scripture that was read last night in Green Bay where uh, he said that Yahweh loved us first, if somebody knows where that is. Sasha, if you can find that for me, please.
6: 1 John four nineteen.
3: Go ahead. Whoever's got it. 1
7: John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us.
3: Now, we don't love him because... Uh, 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 you know he's sitting back waiting us to ma- for us to make the first move. You know how that goes. People might be uh, attracted to somebody and they go, "Well, I'm waiting for them to make the first move." Well, Yahweh has already made the first move. And that is that he came down into the flesh and got up on that cross and died for you when you didn't deserve it to show his great love for which he loved you right from the beginning. Paul writes in Romans, the fifth chapter, that he loved us when we were yet without strength, it says. Now, strength means we had no spiritual strength. We had no vigor or life in us prior to him uh, giving us the Holy Spirit. But yet and still, he loved us right from the beginning. Why? Because he had purposed for our souls to be recipients of the Spirit of Yahshua the Messiah in our hearts, to come to be a reflection of him and his great nature that is reflected through us now and that that love, ladies and gentlemen, would be also manifested to the world by our love towards one another. Now, Yahshua said this, that the world will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. He commanded them Over in John, it might have been the 15th chapter. If not, it was the 16th. He said, No new commandment gave I unto you but this, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now he said, That was a new commandment. Well, what do you mean? Did it say back there in the law that the the commandment was that you love Yahweh with all your spirit, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself? The new commandment is not that you love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment is that you love your neighbor as Yahshua has loved you. And when he said that to the apostles, Pentecost had not come yet, which means they had to look back before they had any strength or they had any character of the Spirit reflected through them and that Yahshua was kind, he was merciful, he was forbearing of them, he was patient with them. He was just, he was honest with them. In other words, all those things that he manifested to them when they were yet carnal takes divine help for you to do that. And so when we turn around and reflect those things one to another, forgiving one another, being patient with each other, because nobody's perfect. None of us in here are perfect yet. We all have shortcomings and flaws, but we need to learn how to forbear and forgive because our commandment that is given unto each of us is to love one another as Yahshua has loved us. We are commanded to love each other. But it starts with you loving Yahweh. You cannot love your brethren till you first love the Father and understand his love towards you, that you might in turn reflect that to your brethren. Now, Paul talks about, I think it's in the book of Romans, Sasha, where he said, Oh, no man, anything but this. Do you know where that is? I think it's in, the,
6: in Peter. Peter. Right. No, this
3: is over in the writings of Paul. It might be the round around the fourth chapter, maybe, or the uh let me look. It's
7: thirteen eight. Romans what, it, thirteen eight. Okay,
3: let's hear it. Go ahead and read it then, Gail. Owe
7: no man anything but to love one another.
3: That's it. Owe no man anything but to love you. Owe it to your brethren to love them. Why? <laughs> Because you have to be a reflection of Yahshua to them that are still growing in their understanding. And if you don't manifest it, how is that encouraging them then to believe that this thing is real? Now I want you to know this, I speak from experience. When I spent time around Dr. Kinley, I watched how he treated people I watched how he dealt with them, how he answered their questions. And sometimes the questions were silly. But Doc was still patient. He was still kind. He was still uh, uh, long-suffering with people. I watched him manifest these things to the people that would come to him because many times I sat in his presence where there was a room full of people asking questions. And I watched how he handled it. I watched him take phone calls from people across the country. In, one, in several cases, he had me get on the other line. You wanted me to be a witness. But I want you to know this. He was always, always encouraging people to good works and trying to help people to understand something. And he did it with love. And he always was the most generous and most caring person I've ever known in my life. And you know what that told me? that this teaching is real with him. That he's just not getting up there talking the talk. He's walking the walk. And I tell you this, that all of us need to understand that we have an obligation, we owe it to the world and to our brethren, to manifest what we say from the floor. And it's hard. it's not. We're not always in the mood. We're not always in the mood to be... And I speak about myself here. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. But I tell you what, when I don't manifest those things and it comes back to bite me, I have to get down and lower my heart and head to Yahshua and apologize and ask him to help me be a minister and reflect him, his nature to the brethren as an example. And it's important that we do that for those, especially that are young in class, that are coming up in their understanding. Why do we do all this? Because we've been commanded by the one that we love to do it to those that we don't particularly feel the emotion of love towards. But we understand the wisdom and why it has to be done. We understand how it pleases Yahweh and Yahshua for us to be this way. So what I'm saying to you is this. This attribute of love is paramount. It is the motivation for the whole purpose. It's what caused Yahweh to have a purpose to start with. And the purpose is to him manifest and reflect his great love. That we might feel that love in our hearts. And that we also will be, uh, uh, if you will, a banner to the world and a witness to the world that this is real. Now, that scripture that I asked you to get, keep reading it. Oh, no man anything.
7: Yep, Um, 13 and 8 in Romans. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this...
3: And, And that's why under the New Covenant... We're not having the Ten Commandments written in our hearts. We're having the law of the Spirit of Life written in our hearts, which is to love Yahweh and love the brethren. Because when that love's in you, you no longer need the Ten Commandments because it's not in your nature to dishonor Yahweh or to harm your brethren and and anybody else intentionally. And therefore, that is the law of the Spirit of Life now in us, is that law of love. Because that's what's the fulfilling of the law Read
7: Nine For this thou shalt not Commit adultery Thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not steal Thou shalt not bear false witness (coughs) Thou shalt not covet And if there be any other commandment It is briefly comprehended In this saying Namely thou shalt love thy neighbor As thyself
3: and that's back there under the Old Covenant and Yahshua intensified and said, I the love them as he has loved us. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm trying to show you is this. Now, many people have asked me over the years, well, how am I? how can I love somebody that I really don't like?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, what you don't like is that left side of that heart. And when you see those things reflected in a person, it's Obviously, difficult for you to love that person's conduct or how they're be, handling themselves. But remember one thing. We have love for a soul. And we know that that person, if he be chosen in Yahshua, can be converted to the right side of this chart. And you might be the instrument that Yahweh is using to cause that person to go through a change by you manifesting the ability to take, chest, uh, take a, a blow to the face or uh, somebody takes you and, and sues you and takes away your, your coat or uh, 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 persecutes you. Paul told them back then to do those things that it would put a, a, a hot coal upon them. You follow? Now I want you to realize that we, reflecting the divine nature, can cause that person to be impacted by that and thereby be corrected and accept change by the Holy Spirit. And you would think that Yahshua on that cross, when they mocked him, and they, well, if you be the Son of God coming out off that cross, and all the things that they did, and yet he asked Yahweh to forgive them, for they know not what they what they do. Well, these people that are treating you in a bad way that you don't feel particularly happy about it. They don't know, realize what they're doing. But your manifestation to them of being able to suffer it and to still manifest concern for their soul and care about them can be the very thing that can cause them to be drawn to Yahshua. And so I want you to realize we're not operating on emotions anymore. We're operating on understanding of the purpose of Yahweh, of the principles of the divine nature. That's what we're operating on. And this thing about love and all the the qualities, there's another scripture uh, that I want you to get to. I want you to find that scripture. Hang on one second here and see if I can uh, pull it up here.
1: Five more minutes.
3: Okay, I see that. Thank you. Well, there's a scripture where he talks about that love passeth knowledge, if anybody knows where that is.
6: Ephesians three nineteen.
3: Thank you. Let's get that. And if we have to if you have wanna to, have to pick it up, then pick it up a little bit.
5: Ephesians three and nineteen. And to know the love of the Messiah, which passes knowledge.
3: Now listen, listen. To know the love of the Messiah, which passes knowledge. Why is that? Because it's one thing, It's one thing for you to know information. It's another thing for you to understand the divine operation of of the attributes especially the attribute of love and why it is wisdom to reflect that divine love to the world and that passes knowledge that's why Paul said if I know all mysteries but have not love I am nothing because knowledge is no good without love in fact Paul said that knowledge puffeth puffeth up In other words, people come to this class and they learn a tremendous amount about the Bible, about Yahweh, and they get high on themselves. I can tell you this, if you truly comprehend this teaching, you won't get high on yourself. You'll literally be brought to a state of humility, recognizing that you are nothing, it's Yahshua that is doing the whole thing, and you won't set yourself up above people and try to be greater than anybody else. We want to save souls, ladies and gentlemen, not for us to be glorified and to get praise of men. And Yahshua told the Pharisees, that I know ye that you have not the love of Yahweh abiding in you, for you seek honor one of another and not the honor that cometh from Yahweh only. That's the honor we need to seek. We need to go into our private self, our private parts of our heart, and pray to Yahshua to be merciful and forgive us and to to cause us to walk upright, being a reflection of the divine nature for the glorification of Yahweh and Yahshua. And let's treat one another with love. Dr. Kinley told us all this before he passed. He said, you ought to love one another. Because you're going to need each other down here at the end. And I can tell you, I need you, every one of you. Because the only joy I have left in my life is to be with the brethren. To be able to speak to like-minded people that enjoy and love to know things about Yahweh and learn. I love learning from you. I love sharing with you what I have learned. We need one another let us learn how to be patient and kind to one another because, believe me, without it, we don't know Yahweh. And as it was stated, somebody asked Dr. Kinley, how do you know when you have the Holy Spirit? He said, when you love the brethren. You know why? Because once you know something about Yahweh, it's easy to have total admiration for Him. But to love the brethren requires something more. It requires you to see something going on in your own heart To love those that are not perfect. That takes the Holy Spirit. I hope something we said tonight inspired you. I hope it made sense. I thank you for the opportunity. I will now turn it back to the moderator. Peace and love and Yashua to all.
1: Thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining us this evening. We hold Zoom classes every Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we hope you will join us again. We will now be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Yahweh our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and
0: power, both now and ever, let us all say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.